Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am your host, Adam Castor. Here as always is my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you? Good, Adam. How are you? I'm good. feel much better after uh, blowing off some steam. Uh, oh, yeah, no, venting about... The podcast? Yeah, vent- venting about the European Super League well, was a fun time. It was a great time for all parties involved, I, I, tr- I truly have to say. It's interesting because now there's news of teams potentially not being in it who previously said they were going to be in it. I know it just doesn't see, it just didn't seem, it seemed like Man City were kind of peer pressured into, into joining the Super League. Almost. Probably. Probably. Hey, hopefully, hopefully the thing crashes and burns, but in the meantime, we do have to, uh, uh, more bad news on the horizon for some players that we will be talking about today. Yes, but let's start off with some good news. And the good news is that the Cincinnati Bengals got a redesign, new uniforms, and they look pretty good. They are nice. They are nice. I, I have I have to say they uh, they really do look good. So fair play to uh, to the Bengals for uh, for that one. Yep, and depending on what side of the Mike Tomlin debate you fall on, this is either good or bad news. Because Mike Tomlin just got an extension from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good for Mike Tomlin. What a what a great guy. Great great coach. Great football mind. Very glad to see him getting a uh, a new contract with uh, with Pittsburgh. A three year contract extension. What a king. What a king. You know, the funny thing is, um, I, I heard this on YouTube. It's like, the Steelers never fire their coaches. They're, they just let their contracts conveniently expire. True. So we'll, we'll have to wait another three years to see that tweet pop up again. Yes. When Mike Tomlin is in the, in the last year of his contract and the whole debate of, will the Steelers let him walk? We will not be renewing, and then they'll be. Will we will not be renewing Mike Tomlin's contract or something like that? We will not be renewing Mike Tomlin's contract on the basis of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mutual consent. That's it. Yep, that's the one. All right. Um, anyway, so let's get into the actual main topic of the podcast, and that is regression candidates for the 2021 fantasy football season. And we talked a lot about, you know, either you want to call them sleepers, you want to call them bounce backs, whatever. We, we spent time talking about that uh, last week. So we're going to talk about the other side of the coin today where players who had the, who reached the highest of highs, who, are poised to fall back down to earth in 2021. Correct. And it's funny because, you know, regression to the mean obviously goes both ways where you can have a player who is terrible on basically we could, we could have used regression for both of these episodes that we did because you can have a season that's terrible. And then who that is completely below average for you. And then you can regress back to, your your career average positively and then you can have like i said before the incredible season career year that uh and then you fall back down to earth and go back down to to the average yeah that that is that is correct and i think a lot of these that at least i have picked for this exercise fall in the category of just that Adam it's more of they'll be drafted too high based on the performances they had in 2020 and it might be a little hard for these certain players to live up to what they were able to do in 2020 so I don't I don't think we're exactly calling this like a bust show I think it's more calling this be careful drafting them after what they were able to do in 2020 right exactly because you can't it's it's hard to expect them to replicate that when they when they perform so well right right exactly i mean i can give you 
I can give you one that I had on the back burner um, that I wasn't going to say, but was someone that I think, you know, fits this category pretty well. And look at someone like Adam Thielen, who had 14 touchdowns last year, didn't have a thousand yards. So I think that's, that's what we're kind of expecting. I mean, we're not saying that Adam Thielen is going to be a bust par se, but we just don't expect Adam Thielen to have 14 touchdowns again. That's, that's kind of what we're, we're, we're getting at with this whole exercise. Considering that he hasn't, he's never had double digit touchdowns in his career aside from last year. Right. And then he also had 14 touchdowns alongside a rookie receiver. That was a 1400 yard receiver and produced probably one of, if not the greatest rookie season ever by a wide receiver in the national football league. Yeah. It's not really sustainable. Sustainable. I don't think it's the right word. Um, I would say it's not realistic to expect it to repeat itself. Right. So let's just go into it and start off with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks for some of the, the quarterbacks that have really good seasons is hard because one of one quarterback that I think a lot of people might pick, he, we don't really know what his mean is. We don't know what an average season for, for this person is because he's heading into his sophomore season. And that's Justin Herbert. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And he, 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 you know, there's a prime example of someone that I think is going to be drafted way too high. And you're going to be left saying to yourself, why did I take Justin Herbert in the sixth round when I could have waited to take Matt Ryan in round 12 or take Tom Brady in round 11 or take, uh, late round quarterback by taking a Matthew Stafford in round 12, 13. Or waited to take Carson Wentz or Baker Mayfield. Yeah, great, great one. Great one. Carson Wentz. Wait to take Carson Wentz. Wait to take Trevor Lawrence if you want to take that gamble. Um, you know, but I think Justin Herbert is is a great one. Is a really, really, really good one. And um, And this is something that I think I wanted to, to, to point out, and I think I wanted to get your take on this too, Adam, when we're talking about quarterbacks and we're talking about how we draft quarterbacks, the way that I always do it is I look at who I have as my quarterback. Say, if I have one of the top three guys, odds are I'm not going to draft another quarterback. So if I have Patrick Mahomes, if I have Josh Allen, or if I have Lamar Jackson, I'm probably not going to be going out of my way to draft another quarterback. But if I have a, let's say I have an Aaron Rodgers, let's say I have a, uh, a Carson Wentz, let's say I have a Ryan Tannehill, that like in the range of nine and below ranked quarterbacks, that's when you're definitely going to be drafting a second quarterback. And um, one of the, the, the common, I don't want to say it's a misconception, but I, I would say mistake, I think. And it's not like a catastrophic mistake, but in terms of just team building, I think it's a mistake that most managers make more times than not. And that is drafting two quarterbacks who are exactly the same. And what I mean by that is drafting a Aaron Rodgers with a Ben Roethlisberger, two guys who are veterans, two guys who are going to give you the floor, two guys who are going to be safe on a week to week basis. Yeah, it, it protects you in a way. But at the same time, I, I think I would rather be taking a chance on a guy with that may not be ranked as highly as someone like Ben Roethlisberger, let's say, and potentially taking a chance on that. Say, say Mac Jones gets drafted at number three by the 49ers. That's a guy that you go and take a potential flyer on to see if he pans out. Or Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, a great one. Trevor Lawrence, much the same deal. If Trey Lance is the starter week one for the Denver Broncos or whatever team he goes to, that's a great one. Sam Darnold, that's another excellent one that you would just take as a backup and hope that it hope that it pans out because he they have the ability to outperform their ADP more than let's say Ben Roethlisberger would, who you know is going to be about he'll get you. 25, 30 touchdowns, odds are. He'll be safe on a week-to-week basis, but he's not going to give you that high-ceiling performance that 
maybe you'd be looking for for someone on your bench that can eventually become a secondary starting option for what you have at your QB1 spot. So what I think I'm just urging everyone to do is just change up how they approach the quarterback position par se. And you can even apply this to tight ends as well. If you're not taking one of the top three guys, if you're not taking a Kelsey, if you're not taking a Kittle, if you're not taking a Waller, you can then go and try and find a tight end late with immense upside. One of my favorite tight ends this year is Irv Smith. Take Irv Smith as your second tight end when you draft a Logan Thomas, when you draft a Robert Tunyon, when you draft an Evan Ingram, so to speak. You know, you're taking that steady floor tight end, at least in theory. And then you have that guy that can very easily break out and will leapfrog that other tight end to becoming your number one guy. So I, I just encourage everyone to uh, to look at it through uh, through that lens and don't be pairing, you know, veteran veteran, because really it, it, it doesn't really pan out to much. And, you know, for what it's worth, everyone loves trading. Everyone loves trading. And if you have two tight ends that are great, if you have two quarterbacks that are great, you have the opportunity to trade one and get something back. So Adam, I just, I just want to get your, uh, your thoughts about that long winded rant. If I'm, if I'm crazy or not with what I just said. Well, I, yeah, I'm going to try and uh, go back and keep up with, with all the information that you just threw at my face, but you want to pause the recording and you want to rewind (laughs) and just listen, listen to it from the top and then just take notes and then report back with what I just said. Maybe, maybe I'll respond to you in post. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that it's a sound strategy because you're right in the sense that you don't really want two quarterbacks that can do the same thing. But I think that I, for me personally, I'd rather just have that consistency with, or like a floor with somebody like we, you said Aaron Rodgers and big Ben. I mean, I wouldn't take big Ben as my guy for, for the floor, but I, I understand where you're coming from. Well, you're taking you're taking Big Ben as your floor guy, as your number two quarterback. Because I mean, let's let's face it, Big Ben, before he completely fell off the face of the earth last year, Big Ben was still putting up twenty twenty five. I mean, I'm, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he had a thirty point game uh, in twenty twenty before the whole collapse came. So it wasn't like Big Ben at the start of last year was all that terrible. It's just how he ended it that people really remember. So, um, but I think that that's where, that's where that whole floor thing comes into play. That Big Ben is not going to be like, he's not going to be a guy. Like you're not going to expect Big Ben. You're drafting him as your number two quarterback on your fantasy team. You're not going to expect Big Ben to crack into the top five and be a top five option at the position. Whereas you can, you could at least have some ounce of belief that that could happen with someone like Sam Darnold. That could happen with someone like Zach Wilson. That could happen with someone like like Trevor Lawrence. You know, someone that has that greater ceiling than someone like Big Ben. But the floor is not as safe. But you're not drafting him to be your starting quarterback. You're drafting him to be a number two guy and waiting and seeing if he pans out. If it doesn't pan out, you draft them at such a low price, you cut him and you go find somebody else. Not a huge deal. My thing also, so just to clarify, uh, you were close. Big Ben had a 29-point game, 29.3 points against Cincinnati at home. That was the one I was thinking of, yes. Yeah, not the, not the one that Steelers fans don't talk about. <laughs> but um, I think your strategy is good for keeper leagues, really. It's better for keeper leagues because I feel like Personally, this is this is personal. Pers- this is all opinion. That's the best thing about this is that this is all opinion. But I'd rather let somebody else take the risk, especially in a redraft league. I'll, let me clarify: in a redraft league, and qualify this. In a redraft league, I'd rather let somebody else take the risk or the and make the mistake of maybe he's maybe it's not this year, and then when you're in a redraft league and you know that you're not going to, that there isn't really much of a reward other than 
like a short-term reward for for mining a a young quarterback as a backup. I'd rather just take two guys that I know that are safe. I'll counter that point with this. In eight and ten team leagues, yes, I completely agree with you. But in 12 and 14 team redraft leagues, I don't agree because the position is so scarce as it is that you could have someone that completely misses the boat on quarterbacks and ends up having to take someone like Derek Carr as the number one option. So if you have two quarterbacks there and you have two quarterbacks that are playing really well, you could go to that team that has Derek Carr and say, hey, you need a quarterback. You're 0-3. You're 1-2. I have two. Which one you want? You want this shiny new Trevor Lawrence or you want this new but still old but still very functional Aaron Rodgers? Hey, listen, Aaron Rodgers is one of the few remaining players from the 2006 NFL draft or 2005 NFL draft. I love Aaron Rodgers in my whole heart. I think I've said this on this podcast multiple times. He is a true gentleman. And I want him to be the host of Jeopardy ASAP. At least he's the the last quarterback from the 2005 NFL draft because Alex Smith retired. True. Sure. That was Frank Frank Gore was in that draft. Richie Incognito was in that draft. Yep. Yeah. Well, well I have. Uh, you you mentioned Alex Smith. Alex Smith will get tied into this equation later. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's retired, so. How, I don't know, how, how is he going to retire? How is he going to be in this equation? You'll see. Okay. It's a little tease. It's a little tease. I'm, All right. I'm teasing the listeners, Adam. Even and, for, te- and teasing you, apparently. Yes, because I never know what you're thinking, apparently. Not many people do. Except for some inexplicable time when I do know what you're thinking. Doesn't happen very often. When you do, that's when you get a bird buck. It's like if Professor Xavier had selective superpowers. <laughs> That's funny. I can only read your mind. I can only read your mind sometimes, and I can't choose when. Fair. Fair. At that point, I'd rather, I'd just rather not have superpowers. <laughs> if I can't That's even choose fair. when you to do You don't want to know what goes on in the set. Why am I just imagining, remember that scene from SpongeBob? where Patrick was like, the, the inner workings of my mind are an enigma. And then it's just a table with a glass of spilled milk. Of course. <laughs> we, that, we stand SpongeBob. This is, this, is, this is a pro SpongeBob podcast. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, kind of how, I, I, how I imagine what's going on. It's a zoom in, <laughs> zoom in into your brain. And it's just, a glass, of, it's just a, spill, a glass of milk falling over on a, on a uh, table. <laughs> Anyway, uh, one quarterback that I think is going to regress, this is not controversial, I hope. I really hope this isn't controversial. Uh, it's Jared Goff. What does he have to regress from? What's well, true. His, his season wasn't great. But you just think he's going to be flat out terrible in Detroit. He's not going to be good. He's already got – I mean, listen. His worst season where he played at least 14 games – because his rookie season, he was terrible, but he only played seven games. Um, but 2017 was his quote-unquote worst. That Or 2019 also was pretty bad, even though he threw for, for uh, like 4,600 yards. You know, let's go with that. 2019 was his worst season where he played more than 14 games. He had 4,600 yards, which is great. He had 22 touchdowns and 16 picks. I mean, I I kind of expect those numbers for Goff, except much lower yardage. I disagree. I do disagree. I'll tell you why. I think the Lions are uh, a lock to draft the receiver in the first round of this draft. They're going to bring in somebody now, whether it's Jamar Chase, whether it's Jalen Waddle, whether it's Devonta Smith. Uh, it, I don't think it really matters who it is. I just think Jared Goff is going to have someone to throw to on the outside. He has TJ Hawkinson. 
this team is going to be absolutely terrible. They're going to be down a lot in games, and it's going to be a lot of garbage time numbers for Jared Goff. I actually like Jared Goff in deeper leagues as someone that could be just a strict garbage time quarterback. Maybe he gets you a really solid game or two where he's wire to wire, but for the most part, I think Jared Goff is someone that will be a garbage time guy. The Lions, they don't have a backup plan for him at the moment. So it looks like Jared Goff is going to be the guy in Detroit for the foreseeable future. So there's no pressure on him to deliver in year one. You know, I, I, I think that the leash is long. The team is terrible. And it's going to be a lot of passing late in games. Just the question is, you know, who will he be throwing the ball to? But we've seen Jared Goff in the past be very, very good and make receivers very, very good, namely Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, who everyone and their mother has been so high on. Who, who, why are they – why can you be high on Woods and Cup if you weren't to an extent high on, on Goff as at least a, a, a fantasy option? Well, I think a lot of that is also people being high on Sean McVay's system. Fair, fair. And we don't, we don't know what Dan Campbell's system is going to be. That, that, that's a fair point. But, I mean, even, even still, his 2019 season wasn't great, but his, 20, his, his 2020 season wa- was arguably worse than that, where it was he passed for 3,952 yards threw for 20 touchdowns and 13 picks. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jared Goff, Jared Goff was not good last year. He, he was not. But new place, new system, fresh ideas, not as much pressure as well. You know, it, it could be the start of something good potentially for uh, – for, for, for Jared Goff, but they have to get him uh, a weapon. I, I, I think I'll be more on board with Goff as a top 20 option if they were to get him a big-time weapon on the outside. Jamar Chase, I would love yep. him even more. All right, so let's move on to running backs. This is a tough one. There weren't really a lot of players who had the highest of highs in the season. I mean, one player that just by sheer math, I think is going to regress. Not by much, but just because of math. Derrick Henry. There's no way that he can have such an incredible season. It's math. It's math, Bird. We did this last year. We did this last year. Bird. He outperformed his career high in yardage by almost 500 yards. His previous career high in 2019 was 1,540 yards. He rushed for 2,027 yards. The math doesn't work. There's no way that he's going to do that again. I mean, it's entirely possible when you look when you look at this offense now. They would just want to give him the rock. I mean, you you could you could never say never when it comes to Derrick Henry and the and the Tennessee Titans. I mean, yes, common sense and reasoning suggests that Derrick Henry is in for regression to some extent but even if he's still a 16 1700 yard back is that quote regression well it it's technically a regression it's still he's still good he's still going to be good i'm just saying don't expect him to do what he did last year okay i well what would be your definition of, of regression for Henry? Honestly, I probably closer to 2019 where he, because basically aside from the massive um, uptick in yards, he had the same amount of touchdowns and basically, well, the same amount of touchdowns plus two receiving touchdowns also. He had 16 touchdowns compared to 17 in, in 2020. And then in 2019, he had two receiving touchdowns in 2020. In 2019, he had two receiving touchdowns. And in 2020, he had none. That's a hell That's a hell of a regression. 
you could take me back to 2019 and give me 2019 Derrick Henry numbers. I mean, I think people would be pretty thrilled with that. Well, yeah, it's still what that is that good enough for for RB one? No, no, and that's where he finished last year, basically. He'll be a top five option. Yeah, top five still. But I think I think people, I think people hear those numbers and and still are saying, okay. No, I know. Yeah, I think people people hear those numbers and are literally still going to be saying, yeah, I'm 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 fine with that. I'm fine with it too. I would take Derrick Henry. I'm just, but I would I would temper my expectations and not expect him to just break um, Eric Dickerson's rushing yards record just because he rushed for two thousand yards the season before. I'll give I'll I'll give you someone who is a definite definite regression candidate without a shadow of a doubt for me. Okay. James Robinson. James Robinson. I mean, that, that's yeah. easy. Easy. I mean, he was in a perfect, perfect situation last year. There was no competition there in Jacksonville. He got every opportunity in the world to produce, and he did. He did to the tune of 10 touchdowns for him. So it was a very good season for James Robinson. The problem is now there's Carlos Hyde there. We don't know if the Jaguars potentially are going to draft someone in this upcoming draft. So that would throw a big wrench into all of that as well. For, for me, James Robinson being drafted right now is a late third round pick. Uh, that's just way too rich for, uh, for my blood when I'm expecting pretty drastic regression from someone like James Robinson. I doubt we see 10 touchdowns again from him or over a thousand yards. So uh, for me, you're drafting a guy in the third round that should be drafted in the sixth or the seventh round. Yeah. I think one guy also for me, in that same vein is David Montgomery. Yep, that was another one I was going to say. Just because you have Damian Williams there now, Tariq Cohen coming back from his from tearing his ACL, you can't expect David Montgomery to get every to get all the touches anymore. How about this one? I'll give you one more before we go on to the receivers. Uh, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, 11, eleven touchdowns last year, and was basically a bit part piece when Nick Chubb was there. And even, even in games when Nick Chubb was not there, Kareem Hunt wasn't that, you know, locked in, locked and loaded RB1 that maybe you would have expected. So, um, yeah, for, for, for me, Hunt is someone that is on the, uh, the regression list. I still would say probably in the range of eight, nine touchdowns for him is okay, but that's the kind of return that you would need from someone that will be you that you will be drafting in your fantasy leagues as a sixth or a seventh round pick. Well, the like thing one about, of the better running backs outside of the top 20. The thing about Kareem Hunt is that he didn't really have a great season regardless. No, no because he was a bit he was a bit part piece. He had you look eight, at his game log, it's not impressive at all. He had 841 yards uh and six touchdowns and he played every single game. That is correct. He had that same stat line in almost that same that same stat line, give or take a couple yards, a couple touchdowns, with Kansas City in 11 games. He played 11 games in 28 in 2018. He was what the helps? go ahead, go ahead. He would I, I know what you're gonna say. He was the guy in Kansas City. That's what helps. Oh no, I wasn't gonna say that. Oh. What I was gonna say is it helps that he is in such a run-heavy offense that Kevin Stefanski likes to run. So right. that gives him that appeal, gives him that upside. The problem is you now have to go and look at the rest of this Cleveland Browns offense. You, you basically have to pick a side. Do you like the running backs, or do you like the potential breakout finally of Baker Mayfield, the potential breakout finally of Odell Beckham in Cleveland? of a bounce back of sorts for, for Jarvis Landry. I know which side I'd rather take. I know which, I know the betting man in me would probably like to bank my fantasy fortunes on the running backs being the, the catalysts in terms of offensive success for this football team. Also, it's worth mentioning that he did have five receiving touchdowns and 304 receiving yards um, last year. So that's good. 
you know, that's 11 total touchdowns, but still that's with Nick Chubb playing 12 games. Correct. And if Nick Chubb plays 16 games, then these what numbers are going to be different. Look like if Nick Chubb plays 16 games. Yeah. That, it's going to be different. Okay. Yep. That's fair. Very fair. Which is why I'm not, I'm not crazy about Hunt going in round six, round seven. I agree. He's a good like third running. If you can find, if you can get him as your third running back, it would be that would be good. He's the best handcuff in fantasy football, without 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 a question. Yes. With standalone upside in PPR, standard there's the, he's he's a handcuff and that's it. PPR he has some week to week upside as a flex, but is he a guy that I'll be comfortable with starting week one? You know, right off the bounce, no. All right, let's move on to the receivers. Who do you have? Oh God, this is easy. Yeah, this I know. Is like, this is the this is the easiest one of all time. I'm afraid. I'm afraid we might have the same guy, Adam. I I, I do sincerely apologize if we do. I hate uh, myself for saying this, but do you have AJ Brown? No, I don't have AJ Brown. Oh, I do have though his former AFC South colleague in Mr. Will Fuller. That is my clear obvious regression candidate he was awesome last year finally realizing his potential as the number one receiver for or an did he? horrible houston texans team had about 16.8 uh, points per game in ppr scoring but the six game suspension to end the year now he goes to miami he'll be catching passes from tua you know do you really trust tua to get Will Fuller involved as much? Do you trust Tua to really get Will Fuller's productivity up to the point of where it was in Houston with Deshaun Watson? I most certainly do not, and I am not going to be banking on Will Fuller. I, I don't care if he's coming in right now as a seventh, eighth-round pick. I don't care. I think that's the ceiling of what you'll get from someone like Fuller. Uh, I'm, I, I'm out on him. And uh, yeah, I would expect definite, definite, definite regression from the near 900 yards and eight touchdowns that he had last year over the course of, uh, of 10 games, which he would, if he had played, he probably would have been an 11, 1200 yard receiver. Yeah. I don't know. My, my thing about Will Fuller is like, did he really fulfill his potential? Cause now him getting suspended for the back half of the 2020 season and then for one game of this season kind of creeps some doubt into your mind of did he actually fill his potential fulfill his potential or was it aided by something else yeah yeah no i i agree all right mine is aj brown like i said um i could i could have easily put in Corey davis but i don't hate myself that much but uh aj brown isn't a bad one no, yeah, a, I. This is what not is like. It, what is it with you and the Titans? I don't know, man. You do not. You don't stand. You don't stand the uh, the Tennessee Titans. Come on. No, Adam. I like I like Ryan Tannehill. I think he. I think he's solid. You know, Derek. I didn't say that Derek Henry was going to be bad. I just said that he wasn't going to be as good as last year. There's a difference. There is a very big difference. You don't. You don't stand the Tennessee Titans. Come on, Adam. Tighten up. No, I will not tighten up. I'm I'm gonna jet up. Jet up. Take flight. The runways are closed. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is not gonna be a Tyree Kill situation. I don't think I'm gonna be taking AJ Brown. Just because he's gonna be the only receiver of note in that Titans offense, unless they draft somebody. I mean they probably are. Yeah. They probably are. Um, but AJ Brown's going to be the guy getting all the coverage. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be a bad time. So would you would you draft AJ Brown as a top 10 receiver? Probably not. Would you draft him as a top 12 receiver? I would. Okay. All right. So you basically, you would still draft him then late second, early third. Yeah. I mean, if he's there, if I already have a receiver – I would probably I would draft him. I don't know. I still Julio, Julio Jones or AJ Brown. 
Julio Jones. Wow. Really? Really? Oh, I would take AJ Brown. That's not close. Really? Not, not even close. One is reliable. One is not. Okay. That's just, that's just my thinking. Now I could be totally wrong because Adam, Adam also was the one who, uh, who predicted Deshaun Watson not being a top seven quarterback and Zach Ertz not being a top 10 tight end last year. So I am talking to the real fantasy guru here. I really am like Charles Xavier with selective superpowers. <laughs> the only the only superpower you don't have is reading this head. It's clear I have clairvoyance, but only in certain moments. <laughs> yeah, no, I just uh, I'm just not. I had AJ Brown last year, and I AJ Brown did really good things for me last year, but. I think that the fact that he was injured all year and it was, he was inconsistent and there were moments where he basically just, just pieced out and ghosted and just left the field. I mean, that Thursday night game against Indianapolis is a huge example for me where he was just like, just wasn't there. He had hands of stone that day. That's true. I just would rather take a more consistent option. Not necessarily Julio Jones, but I mean, the guys around him on fantasy, I'm on fantasy pros and the, the receivers in tier two are Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, and Justin Jefferson. And that's four Very through eight tier. in that order. So I think I, I, I mean, I'd rather have Calvin, I'd rather wait for Calvin Ridley or DeAndre Hopkins or Justin Jefferson as opposed to taking so, so AJ you're Brown. you're banking on AJ Brown being less than a thousand yards or do you think he'll be a good yardage receiver but not as many touchdowns with 11 well I I think it's probably gonna be somewhere in the middle well I mean, he, he yeah. did have he did have eight touchdowns his rookie year yes which was which is a very good return because we all know that rookie receivers typically start off very, very slow. Unless your name is Justin Jefferson. Unless your name is Justin Jefferson. Yes, correct. I I look at AJ Brown and I see a thousand yard receiver and I see a guy that is probably eight, nine touchdowns at the very least. Yeah, but that's not going to be, that's not getting you to, to wide receiver five. No, but he's not being drafted as that either. He's being drafted. He's being drafted right now as a wide receiver nine. Right. So he's being drafted. He's being drafted in the range of DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley. Um, just trying to think of other, of other guys like Justin Jefferson as well. He, he's in that range. And I think you just said that you'd rather have Jefferson over, over AJ Brown. I would rather have Jefferson over Brown. Would you rather have Metcalf or Brown? I'd rather have, Oh, that's tough. Actually. Very tough. Very, very tough for me. I think I'd rather have Metcalf. I'd rather have Metcalf, but it's really close. Really close. And then uh, Ridley. Ridley or Brown? I mean, I already said I'd rather have Julio over Brown, so I'd rather have Calvin Ridley, too. I'd rather have Ridley. Okay. All right. Because Ridley is better than Julio. So Now he is. Yeah, now he is. But now he prime, is. In his prime, Julio is probably the – in his heyday, Julio Jones is probably the second best receiver I've ever seen with my two eyes. The second, uh, who's the best, Calvin Johnson? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Without, with, without a shadow Just of a doubt. Just making sure. Yeah, with, without any shadow of a doubt. Just making sure you're not a replicant. And, and for all the people that are going to sit there and say, oh, what about Randy Moss? Oh, Randy Moss. Randy Moss. You are friends with a lot of people from Long Island. There, there are people that are really triggered right now with me saying Moss. Randy Moss. Not as triggered as I was when you said Zach Moss. See, when you say it, when you say it to be a dick about it, it's not as triggering. But if when you let it slip out, that's when you just let. That's when you catch yourself and you just say, "Oh shit." Well, I'm the the Long Island medium. (laughs) 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 But yes, Calvin Calvin Johnson is is the best receiver i've ever seen with my two eyes actually live on a tv watching football he he, he is he is the greatest 
Well, here's the thing. Also, we were like barely alive for Randy Moss's prime. Yes, it, exactly. And I was, I was still, <laughs> I was still swimming when Jerry Rice was a thing. Yeah. How old were you when Randy Moss? Uh, well, that's the other thing. I'm. I thought it was because Randy Moss murdered the Cowboys on Thanksgiving that one time. But you weren't a Cowboys fan at the time. Well, when Randy when Randy Moss owned the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, I was. That had to have been 90, 97, 98. Oh, so we were like two when that happened. I think we were probably one or two years old. I think it was 98. Um, anybody else for regression candidates for receivers? Tyler Lockett, just because, I mean, majority of his points came from four or five games last year. <laughs> so... Well, you were not alone in that fact. Fantasy Pros is not high on Tyler Lockett. Good, good. We, I, I can agree with them for once. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not crazy about Lockett. Nope, nope. I won't. That's a guy that I will not be, uh, be drafting. But then again, I normally never ever draft Tyler Lockett as it is. That's fair. Yeah, I think that. I mean. Maybe this year will be the year that I'll be right about Mike Evans. But um, I just, I don't know. I don't think Mike Evans is going to have as great of a season either. Mike Evans with the touchdowns is a great shout. Yeah. I mean, he had 13 touchdowns and just over, just over a thousand yards. 1,006 yards and 13 touchdowns. Something has to give. Yeah. And he played all 16 games also. Right. Which I believe, I believe that might've been for the first time in his career. That was the third time in his career. Third time. Yep. Why did I think that Mike Evans never played 16 games? I don't know. He's played 15 games. A lot of times he played 13 games. Very popular 15 game guy. He played 13 games in 2019, but um, yeah, no, this year he played all 16 and I just don't think that the touchdowns are going to be sustainable for Mike Evans. No, I think it's a very, again, it's a very, very good shout. And that immaculate very, stat line, that double immaculate stat line really helped him out. Oh, I tell you what, the double immaculate stat line. I mean, I, I, I honestly, Adam, I don't know how you could slander such a man when he posted a double immaculate stat line. I mean, come on. Against the Denver Broncos. I mean, what a performance. Yeah. It's like Mike Evans knew that we were rooting for him. My my king, my young king. What a, what a champion of the people. It would have been even more immaculate if it was two catches on two targets for two touchdowns, but it was actually but he was targeted four times. That's a damn shame. I know. But uh yeah, so there's that. Let's move on to tight ends, shall we? Let's do it. Would you like to go first? Surely, if you would if you would like me to. Uh, and remember when I said at the uh, the top of the program that this is where Alex Smith gets brought into this equation. Okay. Here we are. Logan okay. Thomas. Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas. That's by that's one of my more popular picks to be a regression candidate at this position, and it really comes down to Alex Smith and how Logan Thomas was targeted heavily by Alex Smith in Washington last year when he took over the the starting gig. And, you know, he had a great, great end of the year. Um, It was a really good story to see from someone like Logan Thomas, who was definitely a late bloomer. But Logan Thomas is going to be 30 years old in July. He's not someone that's like a 22, 23-year-old kid. So I, I don't really know what to expect in terms of a Logan Thomas full-on breakout, like so many people are trying to predict, where I also expect Washington is going to continue to upgrade at the receiver position. They've already added Curtis Samuel in the offseason. They already have Terry McLaurin there. 
So I think there's going to be less and less of an opportunity for Logan Thomas to have that week-to-week upside. I still think Logan Thomas will be okay, but I definitely don't expect him to be a 70-catch tight end again. No, that's actually a pretty good shout, actually. And now you see how Alex Smith gets brought into this equation. And I, I do appreciate how you were able to tease that for that long. Tip of the cap. Tip yes, of the cap. tip Thank of the cap. If I was Thank wearing you. a hat, I would tip it to you, but I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm waving to my fans, waving to all, all of my loyal supporters. Your loyal support. Are we doing this again? We're not no, doing- I did. no, no, no. I did not say – I did not say my listeners. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I said my supporters, people who support me. I'm waving to them all. Okay. I'm waving to them all. You have your supporters, Adam. You can uh, you can give them a nice little uh, nice little regal wave. Sure. I'm wait. It doesn't really work because it's it's audio, but I I am waving. I'm waving to you in spirit. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Um. I mean. Who else could possibly be more in line for aggression other than Logan Thomas than pick whoever you want out of the New England tight ends? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even know if I can call them aggression. I, I, I just think they're just going to flat out suck. Just pick whoever you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fuck me. I mean, oh, Jesus. It is, it is not good. No. No, I mean, fuck, fucking hell. Hunter, Janu. Hunter and, Henry already had a mess season. Yeah, and they, but then you bring in, you bring back James White, you bring in Nelson Aguilar, you bring in Kendrick Bourne, you have Nikhil Harry there for now, you have Jacoby Myers there, you have Demetrius Bird. Did I mean, they sign Debo Samuel also? Uh, or is that somebody else? They... The Patriots, or is he still on? He's still in San Francisco. Yeah, he's still in San Francisco. Oh okay. my god! Oh my god! You, get, you nearly gave me a heart attack. I. It just seemed like something they would do. You gave me a fucking stroke. No, they signed the uh, the San Francisco receiver. You're thinking of Kendrick Bourne. Yes, it is Kendrick Bourne. Oh my god, Debo! If Bill Belichick signed Debo Samuel, that would be the end of it for me. Yeah. That All right. Be, that, would, that would be the end of me as we know it. Yeah, it's Fuck. pretty rough. Fuck Debo Samuel and fuck Stan Kroenke for different reasons. That's I'm doing it every show now. Every show we do, I'm finding it. I'm finding it in some program to say fuck Stan Kroenke. Every single program, I'm gonna fit it in somewhere. All right. So does mine count for two? I guess because John Smith and Hunter Henry. I guess so. I guess I guess it counts for two. I mean, I could, I could, I could give you one more. I mean, John is Smith. He had eight touchdowns last year. <laughs> there is uh, no yeah, fucking a lot, way. A lot of it was very first half of the season heavy. Yeah, he well, he didn't play for a long stretch. It felt like. Yeah, no, he was. He he, he didn't play, and then when he did play, he didn't get targeted. Uh, there was speculation that there was an injury involved. Um, it definitely was not the uh, the end of the season that John is Smith wanted. But hey, he got paid regardless. So it really wasn't that much of a disaster after all. Yeah, I mean, sure, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I have I have one more I can give you before we uh, before we can uh, get on out of here. All right, I'm going with Robert Tunyon for one reason and one reason only: the touchdowns. Eleven touchdowns last year. I think that number is going to come way, way, way down. And I think this is the first year that Aaron Rodgers finally gets a number one pick wide receiver to to throw to. So I think that that hurts Tunyon a little bit. But I still I still like him. But I, I think that that 11 touchdown number definitely uh, screams, at least to me, if it's going to come down. I mean, we definitely thought that he was going to be like a flash in the pan when he had his three touchdown game on Monday Night Football. Oh, I think we, we I think we both said that this guy's a fake. Don't pick him up. And yet here we are. Yeah, here we are. We're we're back on the we're back on the Robert Tunyon hate train. I mean, he's he's the ninth tight end. Hey, right now. Hey, nobody nobody has had as much hate today from one person on this podcast 
as much as the Tennessee Titans have. You have two of their current players and one of their former players. Current and former Tennessee. I'm sorry. You have just absolutely gone for the jugular with the Tennessee Titans. It's just because Mike Fra- – I just hate the Patriots and Mike what, Vrabel. What, what, did, what did the Titans do to you? They didn't beat you in the playoffs or anything, right? No. Actually, it's funny because we ruined the Titans' perfect season in 2008. That is true. You did do that. I think the last time we played the Titans was in 2018, where we were we were winning with like four minutes left, and then the Titans came back and, and beat the Jets. That was not fun. Yeah, no, it, do, it does not sound fun. But uh, we're playing Tennessee again this year. Yay. Hip, hip, yippity, kai, yay, motherfucker. Yeah, I did listen. I don't know why it it just ha- I don't know why it happened to be the Titans. They're just so like inoffensive, and like some yeah. of their and a lot of their players, they a lot of their players, as as a British person would say, they performed out of their skin last year. That is very well done. That yeah. is very well done. We do we do love ourselves a nice uh, nice British analogy. But they played out of their skin. And essentially, you can't, it's not sustainable. I still think they're going to be good, but I just don't think that it's going to be at such an astronomical level. I agree. I agree. I think, I think they'll still be really, really good. But to expect that they, to expect that they will be what they were a year ago, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you make a valid point in that regard, Adam. That with a new offense, realistic to, uh, to expect that. At least, especially with a new offensive coordinator coming in. Yep. That's true. That's true. We don't know what this offense is going to look like. I mean, there are people that expect this Tennessee offense to be somewhat similar to the concepts that Arthur Smith ran, but obviously not going to be the same because it's two different guys. Exactly. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of not only The Fantasy Show, but everything under the Basement Talk Podcast umbrella on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. And for my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I am Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on The Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye-bye.